There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's happening, all my woods people? It's uh, it's getting late, KC, for us, for us early uh, blue-collar working men. We are chilling. We're not in the mouse house technically right now. Are we, we are, are we technically not? That's good. No, we are uh, we're outside of the mouse house, just barely. We're in your casa, and we just ate a pretty fine dinner. It's pretty good. Yeah. So I haven't told you this yet, but that's actually the 2016 elk that we ate tonight. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was uh, pretty good. Looked fine. Uh, I went and got my cooler to put all my elk meat in. And when I had put elk in there the first time, I layered it in, in black trash bags. And there was a whole other layer underneath that I had no idea. So oh. it's freezer-aged Wow. elk meat. And so, it's all the good stuff. Yeah, It's that's all good. tenderloin, all backstrap. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Not a bad find. But dude. I need to finish that off before we start on the new stuff, which is fine because we split that with my parents. So yeah. uh, I only have half an elk right now. So, so with with what you what you found, you probably last like three quarters of a year or something. Probably, I had like there's like twenty pounds of meat probably from dude. the other elk. That's so. pretty cool, dude. I know. <laughs> I uh, I'm running pretty low on deer right now, Are you? but I think my dad has a little bit of mine. But yeah, I'm I'm planning on slocking a few this year. So hopefully, if I can get that done, I won't have to worry about asking my dad for any anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when are you going to slock your first one, man? Well, I'm trying to do that in October. Yeah? Yeah. One of us is. One of us Probably is. Probably going to be you. You think? <laughs> yeah. I, th- I I have a feeling. Why? Uh, I just think that you're due a Texas deer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, Texas I got some bull. plans, but, you know, <clears throat> we had a tough opening day, and we've got a similar wind 
every day for the next 10 days of our weather report right Woo-hoo. now. So, And it's not a good win for either of us, at least on our, like, permissions properties. Right. I, I don't know. The, what we're going to do is we're going to figure out how to hunt in October on this episode because we have <laughs> the man, Mark Drury, today is our guest. Actually named a giant deer after the month of October. That's right. So... Yeah, Bucktober. Bucktober. I'm gonna one day. I'm gonna name one Buck Buckvember, <laughs> and uh, he's gonna be even bigger. <laughs> yeah. But until then, I'm gonna be learning from Mark about how to hunt in October, and so I'm excited to have him. But back to what's going on with us in October. I we have some we have some bucks coming in in the daylight on public right now at a spot that, like, I mean, it's like almost. It's like, I think it's a majority daytime movement and so like it's exciting but like if you were to say what is the worst wind you could hunt it on it pretty much is what we have literally called for for the next 10 days yeah and and so my other option here is i mean obviously i could go hunt other spots on public and that may not produce at all i mean we don't have a whole lot going on right now um but I could go to this private permissions property that I have. Well, the worst win that you could possibly hunt on in that property is what we have called for for the next 10 days. So, like, I don't know what to do. What a coincidence because my permissions property is the same way. Is it really? Yeah, think about that finger of timber I hunt points directly south. What are we going to have? A south for a long, long time. So you think those deer coming? Into that finger from the north. Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're spending some time. Because technically, there's, there's timber that runs kind of east and west, right? Or am I not seeing that right? It's more to the east. You know, stuff on the like the west is pretty broken. And I don't think it's holding you. a lot of deer. There's some deer around. If we could get So do you think that wind amount, would skirt as they're coming into you? If we could get a decent amount of east out of it, I think we'd be all right. Yeah. But Most of it's I pretty think, south. Yeah that it's going to have to be a true southeast or a east-southeast to hunt it. Now, I could hunt it on a straight south and sacrifice some deer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I don't really want to do that over there. especially Early season especially. Yeah, and it's a sensitive spot because it's not like I – I mean, it's pretty much just – well, what's the best way to say it? It's like 10 acres of woods, Mm -hmm. right? that are in the middle of a hay pasture. So you pretty much have one stand location. I mean, you could hang your stand in a couple different trees, but it's right. one spot. And if you screw it up, then you're toast. But you do have bucks. I do have bucks. That was exciting yeah. until I erased that card on accident without <laughs> keeping any of it. Dude, you you actually found uh, one of the bucks that was on your camera before you ever knew he was on your property. You found him somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking about this mor- that this morning because I drive by this property pretty often, you know, and I drive an area around it. I've seen that deer three different times on the hoof. And the first time he was cl- – well, okay, so the first time you got a real good, really good look at him from close was the other day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw him at like 15 yards. And you and got pictures he, and stuff. He ran him. out to like 30. Yeah. And then – And that was actually closer – to where I hunt. Yeah. He's a roamer. <laughs> like, there's a good chance that you see that deer. Right. And you're staying. Yeah. And, it's crazy. But but when we pulled up your card later that morning from that pool, you had him on there several I times. Oh, I can't. He was on there a lot for a little while yeah. until the corn ran out. 
and there wasn't any pigs this time. It's just the deer ate it all while I was gone to Colorado, but I got it back out over there now. And yeah. I went over there to set it this, uh, put more out today, but I just didn't have time. Mm-hmm. I drove by. I was like, ah, I don't really have time. Yeah. But uh, well, it's been, it's you know, we had like a good cold front right before the deer deer season man. started. But these first few days of deer season have been pretty warm, pretty muggy. Uh, we hunted opening day, didn't have much success. And we'll talk more about that on our uh, live Facebook event that we've got going on here in the next couple of days. It's actually on October 9th, which is next Tuesday. Um, and we're going to do that at 8 p.m. We're going to talk about uh, some public land hunting. What are we going to talk about? So I figured that it would be like a... Um, it's a Q&A event, yeah, so like, you ask me a question you want. If you want to ask why KC got worn shoes, then we'll answer it, you know what I mean? So that's fine. It can be anything. Public bucks and bulls, kind of. But that, you yeah, know, we, that's we like, would like to talk about public land. What we got going down right now, you know, we're coming off of the Nameless film drop, and then coming off of me having some success in Colorado, which there'll be some footage from that coming out soon, mm-hmm. but... uh uh, you know, if you got any questions about, and, and really probably the questions, of course, we're not going to be great at answering things about outfitters and stuff like that, you know, but yeah. like, if you want to talk about like the DIY real dudes hunting stuff, you know, yeah. like, let's talk about it because I'm not an expert of much of anything. Uh, by trade, I am a handyman, so I'm not good at anything or I'm not great at anything, but I'm all right at a bunch of stuff. <laughs> right. So, uh, that's kind of how I feel about hunting, you know, yeah. like I, I can talk about it all. You right, know, so right. let's just talk about it, and yeah. we'll have fun with this thing. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to do it, man. It's going to be a good time, and hopefully we can find a good uh, place where we can actually do that live event. <laughs> we also have some good cell phone service, which we don't always have exactly. out here in the country. So. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, one thing I would mention, and uh, you, this is, you're hearing for, of this for one, one of the first times you're hearing of this. Um, we are doing one last giveaway through 2018 here. Ooh. We this is the last one of the, the year. Last one? Okay. So you don't get another chance to get any more gear from us before hunting season or during hunting season. And so we're doing a giveaway and we're giving away another Exodus Trek uh camera, trail camera. So Shut up. Yeah. And so the the other one we were supposed to give away has not been claimed yet. Oh. So that bro better get on it. He better listen, listen <laughs> up and go check out that Facebook live yeah. uh, video that we did of the giveaway and figure out that uh, he's the one who is the rifle owner to that mm-hmm. thing. So he better do that quick. Um, anyway, this is another Exodus Trek trail camera giveaway. And we're doing this in exchange for iTunes reviews. So you go to iTunes, you give us a review. And there are a lot of you that are probably listening right now. They're like, dang, I, I did my review, you know, earlier this year and I didn't win anything. Well, you, I'm sure, know somebody with an iTunes account that has not given us a review. All you got to do is go in, give us a five-star review, tell us what you like about the podcast or what we, whatever we do. And you can do it from anybody's profile. And when you, you know, just make sure you know your code name so that when we call it out on the podcast and say so-and-so mm-hmm. won... Um, you can claim the trail yep. camera. So. Last time uh, we sent uh, Onyx subscription to South Dakota and yeah. to West Texas. That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, you know, listeners all over the place. That was neat. Uh, yeah. So get, grab your mamas and your auntie's phones and there just you sign in and 
Leave us reviews. Hey, the more reviews you get, the better your chances right. are, too. You, you know? can leave like three or four. We That's right. Yeah, I mean, I I would do it for sure. I'd be grabbing everybody's I just phone. might. <laughs> I might do it, too. Because <laughs> we, like we're to. running those cameras, and they're pretty good. <laughs> Dude, I know for a fact I've got a good buck in my neighborhood right now, and I don't have a camera out, so <laughs> I, I need one bad. I'm like, oh, I need a camera, but all mine are on private and public property stretched out across Man. East Texas. So yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, so to go do that, iTunes review, do that real quick. Uh, just pause this, give us the iTunes review, uh, five-star iTunes review, and then uh, you can start it back up, and we're going to be talking to Mark Drury. Is that cool with you? Sounds good. All right. I also wanted to mention real quick that the audio will sound a little bit different going into this interview because this was actually done back when I was in Montana, and so KC is on the phone. Um, so just a heads up, let's get to the interview now. All right, so on the phone we have Mark Drury. Mark, what's been happening lately? Well, this time of the year, it's go time for us in terms of getting the shows out. You know, and in the spring and fall, we're out, you know, collecting footage and filming the shows. But when you get into the summer, it's uh, all hands on deck trying to get it put together. And, you know, we do three different shows that air third and fourth quarter. So starting around June 1, we ship three shows a week for 13 straight weeks so wow the stress level, the stress level is high <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> so so what does vacation look for like for you then well i am told we're going to orange beach this year <laughs> so, <laughs> all right i'm you guessing know, that's a wife thing well it's a family thing and i i'm not a beach guy and i i don't mean that out of any disrespect for people that are but mm-hmm. you know I just, I just, I'm not a beach guy, but yeah. the whole family's going. There's 64 of us going, so it's going to be fun being around wow. all my siblings, all their children, all, all the, you know, grands and uh, great grands. It's going to be a, a fantastic time. So. Oh yeah, man, that's a that's a large group. <laughs> I feel crazy when there's about 10 of us, so I can't <laughs> even imagine. It, it'll be fun though. We all enjoy each other's you know, time, sure. and, you know, conversation and stuff. So it'll be fun. Yeah, man, I'm with you on the beach thing. Um, you know, I told you earlier, um, I'm up here in Montana right now and we always try being in Texas. I mean, it gets smoking hot down there. And, uh, this time of year, it's just like, it's, it's, a, we're over it, you know, we're ready for hunting season and, uh, coming up here in the mountains to get a little cold weather is like, that's my deal. I come up here, do a little fly fishing, relax for a few days and try to, get back and sweat it out until uh you know it's time to hunt and and uh you know that for us that time starts on october 1st and october uh typically is a slow month for us because of how much heat we have um towards the end of the month you know obviously gets a little better we saw a lot of movement or we have seen a lot of movement on trail cameras in the end of october but is there a date or a weather event um in october that kind of gives you confidence to go after a target buck you know, October can be tricky, no doubt, because it oftentimes is a little bit warmer. We start getting cooler up here, usually in about the middle part of the month. Um, but the cool thing about it, pardon the pun, when you do get a cold front, they're magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when it's when you're really, really hot, and then all of a sudden you get that first cold air to where it at least dips below the the normal high for that range you're going to see some movement generally. I love those first cold fronts of October. We, we did it. We did a whole chapter about that in our book and we called it a cold October wind. 
it, it's they're magical up here in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So that's what I look for. A rain event, rain gets them on their feet usually. Yeah. 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 So Mark, how do you? Uh, I've I definitely subscribe to the theory that you're preaching. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I totally understand that you should hunt the fronts and, and that movement does happen, but I feel like there's a little bit lost on like how you actually hunt the front. And I don't know if you're supposed to go in and anticipate the front hitting, be there an hour beforehand. If you should go in, you know, when the wind's blowing hard and, and hunt, during the actual event or if you should wait for it to blow through and just to hunt to fall out on the back end yes yes and yes in my opinion. <laughs> seriously though fronts are best just ahead right during and right after and really just ahead and right after are better than, than during uh-huh. okay it depends on how how vigorous a front it is you know i mean if it's a light front you're not going to see as big of a influx in movement if it's a pretty heavy front it, it could be pretty good Depends if there's precip involved with it. They all differ, man. It's uh, We've been blessed to, to watch deer for 35, 40 years now. Terry and I have combined. It's probably 70 or 80 years. And and we've been blessed specifically the last 20 years to do it for four straight months every year. Mm-hmm. Couple that with the information off of our pictures. We're pretty analytical, and, and we keep a lot of notes, and, and we, we talk about this stuff all the time. And we feel like we've kind of crack the code as far as when they're going to move, how well they're going to move, how poorly they're going to move, all that stuff. And it's, it's one of the reasons we did our new app called DeerCast. So these exact questions you're you're asking, literally all of them are answered to the nth degree in that app. It'll be available August 28th. And it's, a, it's a free trial this first year, so you all da- download it and urge your listeners to. And awesome. Give us some feedback. It's pretty cool, man. It'll, it'll take the weather – It'll take uh, 11 different weather variables plus the 13 phases. So it's looking at 24 different things at any given hour in your location. And it will tell you whether the deer should be moving or should not. And I, I'm, we beta tested it all last fall. And I mean, it was better than 90% accurate. It was stupidly accurate. Mm. All right. So you said August 28th on that? It'll be available for download. Yeah. All right. I'm putting that in my calendar because that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so well, there's man, a. Go ahead. Not not only that, like if, if there's a front coming, and the app comes up with a great. There's there's four categories. There's there's poor. There's okay. There's good. There's great. All right. If it comes up with a great, then or or whatever it comes up with, you can then scroll down from that prediction, and go into seven to ten different videos that'll tell you why we think it's going to be great that day so it's a tremendous teaching tool so if the app's identifying a certain weather event then you can go through those videos and hear our thoughts on why that event makes is a suppressor or or an enhancer so it's just pretty awesome wow yeah that sounds awesome so uh i'm gonna ask you a different question and then kind of combine the two so um around here it just seems that uh, the evenings can be so blistering hot in October that it's just almost just unbearable to hunt. And um, I know that's kind of against the common thought pattern, right? Like in early season, you leave the mornings alone and hunt the evenings. So in your opinion, is, is it true where evenings are when you should be hunting in October? In my experience, yes, unless it's the first day that the wind blows out of the north do not miss that morning it mm-hmm. is literally 
incredible. The first cold morning or the first day of the front of a morning, mm-hmm. they all move. Like it's stupid how well they move. Hmm. And again, the app will pick up on that on that trait. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so then you kind of answered how I was going to combine them. I was wondering when the fronts override that uh, idea of just evening. So it's pretty much the first good front. Don't worry about mornings or evening. Hunt it, hunt it when you can. Hunt it when you can. Mornings get quite good. The first morning it's blowing out of the north, particularly if the front passes through the night. Mm-hmm. That that morning is going to be quite good. Awesome. Yeah, we've we've seen that kind of on our, our trail cameras as well, where <clears throat> it's something to do with, uh, especially when there's a windy front, it seems that there's new vegetation that gets knocked down or some of those earliest acorns will fall, you know, and, and the bucks will really be up on the feed, you know, right after those big fronts like that. Yep. Yeah. Sure. So, so um, is it ever too hot being a stand in October. Yes. Yes. I always look at the average high for that area. Mm-hmm. When those temperatures start to approach 10, 15, 20 degrees above average, if there's not some front that's going to influence movement, I find that extreme heat in that range is a suppressor. Okay. Gotcha. And again, like our app will catch that and It'll, it'll also tell you the average high for the day, for the day. and then you can look at it and watch it. It's, it's one of the biggest indicators of deer movement. Mm-hmm. Well, if we ever get 10 to 15 degrees higher than our October high, I, I would be very scared. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure our October averages, especially early October, are going to be low to mid-90s still. So if we're hitting that 105 <laughs> mark in October, it's a really rough year yeah, for that's us. Tough. they're just they just don't move that well they might move a little bit but you better be close to his bed like 50 yards from his bed (laughs) right (laughs) yeah no kidding no kidding there uh maybe it's just time to go somewhere up like where tyler's at right tyler (laughs) yeah that's right um (laughs) so are you looking at these these deer that are moving in in october on the cold front are they uh moving uh, are they still, they're still very kind of concerned with agriculture, right? Or, uh, with food source essentially more than they are actually nose and does around or what are you seeing there? Well, I mean, they're, they're instinctual. They're like a dog. If they see a doe, they'll go nose it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that does in heat, but they'll go noser, mm-hmm. you know, cause their horns are, are hard and their testosterone starting to rise. But predominantly, yes, it's still a bed to food, food to bed pattern. Yeah. Yeah. So are there any characteristics that you're looking for in a certain buck, like preseason, say, you know, now in the summer scouting or uh, even in the early season that leads you to believe that uh, that buck may not be killable, really? Well, we look for daylight walkers, you know. I mean, if every picture you have of a buck is at night, your odds are not very high that you're going to go see him during daylight. You know, the cameras don't lie. Yeah. We're looking for one that's giving us daylight hope, and that's mm-hmm. the buck we generally target. Yeah. So... Are you, uh, say, say it's a newer property or are you first, uh, you know, running your trail cameras, say on a food source and then backing off and, and I mean, because in my opinion or not in my opinion, but in my experience, I've seen, um, where we have say, put a, put camera on a food source and had pictures of a deer at night, but then moved, uh, back, you know, several hundred yards and you're starting to get them in daytime. Um, is that how you guys are usually, 
approaching a new property when you're hanging trail cameras to find those daylight walkers? Sure. I have a tendency to put a lot more cameras out on a new property because <laughs> you really get better and better at properties every year that you hunt them, you know, and you'll actually see certain bucks do the same things that other bucks did six, seven, eight, ten years previous, you know, they uh-huh. get the same patterns and use the same bed, same food sources, same water, etc. So when I get to a new property, I've got to learn as fast as I can everything about that property. So instead of putting a camera out per 100 acres or 150, I might put a camera out at per 50 or per 40, mm-hmm. something like that, and try to find where the daylight activity is. You know, and it, it depends on the size of the food source or, you know, the hunting pressure on that property previous. Um, the, the worst thing for deer in terms of daylight activity is human pressure. So if they're experiencing a lot of human pressure or if there's a lot of cattle, uh, anything that kind of wigs them out, makes them scared, it's going to subdue them into the night. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what is what is your, I guess, preferable setup whenever uh, you're trying to find a daylight walker, but you're also um, hoping that you, when you go in to tra- check that trail camera to, to find that information out, that you don't, uh, you know, lay a lot of scent down and scare the deer or, you know, I guess have him visually see you. Oh, I will have put it somewhere where he cannot, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I never, I never, ever, ever penetrate a bedding area, mm-hmm. period. And that's just the way I've always hunted. I'm, I'm outskirts all the time, and I just won't go in almost ever. During the rut, I will a little bit, but any other than that, I just won't go into what, what I perceive to be a thicket or, or a bedroom. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know... I guess KC kind of alluded to this earlier, but in, at least in our area of the country, um, we don't really have ag right there where we're at. It's mostly, or, you know, we don't, we don't have, uh, any kind of a food source of ag. It's more like coastal Bermuda, you know, hay type of stuff for, for cattle, um, in an area where I guess in any area, but also, you know, like an area like this, it's tough for us to find bedding, um, sometimes and understand where the, where the bedding is uh, habitually and not just, you know, one day kind of one off thing. So how are you pinpointing bedding when you go to hang these trail cameras? Well, just based on experience, if I look at the place and typically the thicker the cover, the greater the likelihood that there's a bed there, Mm -hmm. uh, that just comes from observation. Sometimes the trail camera will tell you part of the story, but it won't tell you everything that you'll learn with your eyes. Sometimes it takes sitting there and (laughs) scouting that property morning and night, you know, several days, maybe weeks to figure out where they're coming from and where they're going. And if it's, you know, if it's a cover that's kind of random throughout the property, sometimes beds are hard to, um, discover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I certainly look for north faces during the early part of the season or north facing structure. And then as you go in and start to get a little colder, I, I see a lot of south and east bedding. Mm-hmm. Are you are you seeing where um, deer on a property will shift their bedding oftentimes throughout <laughs> the season? I mean, I know there's like summer patterns and, and more of a winter pattern, but um, are you seeing, I mean, because in some cases I feel like uh, some of the deer we target here, just especially on some of the river bottom country here in East Texas, um, you you kind of see like a deer will show up here for three days and then it'll show up there for three days. And it's kind of like you feel like that this deer is not bedding in the same place, you know, every night. Oh, for sure. They yeah. They don't. They won't habitually bed in the exact same place. They'll have a multitude of beds because they've got a home range that they move around in. Mm-hmm. But I do see 
seasonal betting differences in the terms of the, the later in the year it gets, when the foliage drops, you can bet they're going to the thickest cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when the temperatures drop, they're going to go to some sort of thermal cover, in, in my experience. So yeah. earlier in the season, bed is much more difficult to identify. Okay. Later in the season, it does get a little easier to identify. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, KC, what are you thinking, man? Well, I'm kind of wondering, um, we hear a lot about thermal cover, you know, especially from the northern states. Uh, Mark, in your experience, is there such a thing as summertime thermal cover? Are there places that are cooler in the summer? You know, I mean, I understand the shade is always cooler, but are, are there particular bedding areas that you'll see because they are cooler in the summer? Absolutely. So that's what I was saying. Look for north-facing stuff or river bottoms with some some shade, you know, mm-hmm. coming in from a bank that, you know, the north face is a little bit nicer, a little bit cooler. So, yeah, positively, there's there's places where they seek out when it's hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, cool. So <clears throat> when do you see, uh, like, is it a specific date or a weather event, temperature or something? But when do you see bucks shift off of that early season pattern and start to uh, show rut activity, like pre-rut stuff, you know, scraping and that sort of thing? I always see it in and around the middle part of the month. Uh, uh-huh. Call it the 15th through the 20th. And um, I always say they go into the lull. Uh, with one look and they come out looking like a completely different deer, you know, you call it the November swell, if you will, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, because they've got that, that skinny summer look where they've been on food. And then all of a sudden they kind of go underground. You can't get any daylight pictures. Can't see bucks during daylight with the exception of a really major front. And then all of a sudden they come out and I mean, they look like an NFL linebacker. (laughs) So that's when, you know, and, and you should really precede your camera setups prior to getting to the lull over to known scrapes. So I have a mm-hmm. tendency to scout a lot in, you know, February and March and I'll mark out either with a, you know, I'll drop a pin or I'll, I'll actually circle the tree or put a ribbon on it or something like that. You know, if it's a major scrape, I want my camera there before they start hitting it hard mid October. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is that a scrape that you have engineered yourself or is that one that you've found? More often than not, it's one I found. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Are, you, are you doing anything um, to uh, promote the startup of scrapes, like creating leaking branches or, you know, raking out spots or anything like that? I don't rake out spots, but I, I do plant a lot of tree coys or scrape trees in my, in my mm-hmm. fields. You know, I'll just go put up. Uh, T-post in the ground and then strap a tree to it that's got a good scraping limb and we have great success with that technique and if you really want to make it good put three or four of them out there so that they see that group <laughs> of trees and they'll come over and just rip the living tar out of them that's cool that's they awesome break, they break them up every year I guess you could put one at 20 one at 25 one at 30 and it would just be <laughs> like a range <laughs> we, we put them all at about 20 to 25 actually and we'll we'll get them like and we'll put them to try to incentivize broadside movement. You know, we'll put one right, on the left, sure. one center, and one right so that they're walking tree to tree. And, and we also angle the limb so that they would be broadside to slightly quartering away. Yeah, that's awesome. So earlier you mentioned uh, the lull. And that's sort of a highly contested subject in uh, the hunting world. And it sounds like that you are for sure a believer in the October lull. Can you explain uh, why you think it happens and kind of what it is? Well, there's a period in mid-October that 
they just don't walk during daylight. And I kind of alluded to it in the fact that it, their attention turns from feed mm-hmm. to their testosterone spikes, right? And mm-hmm. they just go underground and they're raking and they're staying pretty close to their bedroom, but they're they're getting more and more frustrated. And then all of a sudden the testosterone really gets high and they start covering ground looking for those first available does. So I'm 100% a believer in, in the law. The thing that that will have some people saying, well, there's no law. I killed a deer October the 16th. Well, what was the weather that day? What was the weather mm-hmm. that day? You know, was it a cold front? Did that get him up on his feet? Because those cold October winds that we talked about earlier will get them on their feet moving, but it's not nearly as consistent as the movement in early October or late October. It takes a special weather event often to get one going. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, to you, it sounds like the October lull doesn't mean don't hunt. It's just you adjust your hunting strategy according to that time period, right? Yeah, you got to hunt smart, right? You know, I mean, yeah. you could do a lot of damage in the middle part of October. That's been my experience. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I stay out. Um, I'm getting sets ready, tweaking some stuff, <laughs> moving cameras, waiting on a front. When I get a front, I'll hunt it hard, and then I'll then I'll back up a little bit. and just Just wait for the good stuff that's coming. That's the way I look at it. Sure. And it is, is it kind of, uh, coincide, like, does the law coincide when, with, when bucks will split from their bachelor groups to kind of run into more solo style life? Is that kind of what kicks off the law? They will do that. No doubt. Uh, it's all part of that, you know, swelling up process and establishing territory and mm-hmm. that testosterone rising. There's no doubt, but I, I don't see them overly batched up early either. Maybe a little bit, but they're mm-hmm. already starting to do that once their horns get hard, at least here in here in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we, would you say your peak estrus is down there? Um, last year, well, uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, this I, I went off of when the fawns dropped this year. I, I live in a – well, I don't live there. I, I uh, am building a house in a uh, really uh, – I guess you'd call it a suburban area. It's out in the country, but there's a really heavy doe population out there near this lake. And uh, so I can get a real good bearing on what's going on with deer in our general area because the does are so visible all the time. And um, I saw when most of our fawns dropped and counted back uh, 200 days, I think that's about right. And it would have been that last week in November, somewhere right in there for us, whenever the does would have been being bred. Right. Okay. So it's very mm-hmm. similar to, I have a lease um, just west of Dallas about, maybe two hours by Albany mm-hmm. in yep. Stockford County. And around there, they all tell me it's about the 24th, 25th of November. So mm-hmm. that's Thanksgiving's cool. a good day. Yeah. Yeah. That's what uh, you're saying as well. So therefore your October lull probably happens a little bit later in the month than I would think than what we see up here. At least it does to me down there. Like those bucks mm-hmm. stay on a pretty good feed pattern through the month of October. And I actually see them kind of going underground where they're not moving very well, actually on into to like the early part of November. Like I don't see that much daylight activity on my cameras down there in early November. Some, but not nearly like I had been seeing in October. Yes. I, I would really agree probably just from our trail camera information. I think last year, our first, uh, well, one of my target bucks, we got him on camera. Tyler, was it the ninth or the seventh? Um, later. Yes. was on the 7th, I believe. The 7th, yep. and that was really the first rut activity we got. That actually was a really cool trail camera series. We had it set on burst and watched him follow a doe, um, and it was on one of those cold front mornings, you know, November 7th. 
uh, I'm pretty sure last year it stayed really warm up until about that time. Yeah. And uh, it was it was uh, one of those really cool damp mornings, and he kind of came right through right through our shooting lane, and we weren't there. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> pretty awesome and terrible at the same time. But yeah, I think you're exactly right. Up before that, we didn't have hardly any. Uh, you know, daytime moving on trail cameras at all. A few nighttime pictures here and there and a little bit of scrape hitting, but not much. And then right there, probably around mid November is when the scrapes really started opening up and we started seeing quite a few more bucks. Exactly. Uh, so it's I mentioned that app earlier. The app picks that stuff up as well. You can go in and like the app comes preset of a November 14th peak estrus, but you mm -hmm. have the, you have the ability to change that peak estrus to your area. It will then take the phases and slide them for you and tell you what. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's pretty cool. cool. It's a smart is, app. Is there uh, any interactive side of it to where like um, people can report or, you know, kind of show activity that way you get a much more regional, uh, uh, feel for it or whatever is it kind of got to just be something you adjust on your own it, it would be something that you would adjust on your own it's something mm -hmm. we've talked about but it, that's a very it's a very expensive proposition from the design <laughs> <laughs> i could see it's, that <laughs> i could see it coming um uh -huh. but we would like to show heat maps and everything else in terms of where we all learning together that's mm -hmm. i mean yeah. that's the ultimate goal but it, in the short term the app will tell you what you're supposed to know, but in reality, if you're using common sense and looking at what the app's telling you, you can make your own adjustments in all reality. Just all you'd have to do is is either either go, okay, this app is a touch optimistic for me, or it's a mm -hmm. touch pessimistic for me. And then it, it will remain consistent. I will tell you that because the algorithm sets. So mm -hmm. you just have to recognize whether it's a touch optimistic or a touch pessimistic. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I can't wait for that. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, we're talking October here and I, I know that, that you put an emphasis on, on that month often. So would you say a person is, uh, doing themselves the best amount of justice to focus on trying to get a deer killed pre lull or post lull in October? Pre. Pre? Both. I mean, it's both. <laughs> <laughs> pre pre you can find them i mean if he's showing up daylight on your your cameras prior to the low mm -hmm. he's bedding right there i mean and, he, and they generally don't move a whole heck of a lot if you can find a daylight walker they're very killable in my opinion um the the post part of that question after the low then you start to increase your odds because they're moving around a little bit more but it's much mm -hmm. harder to, to target a specific deer mm -hmm. but your life will be sitting there and all of a sudden a deer, you don't even have pictures of walks in your life. You know, I mean, it's that time of the year where home ranges start to expand rapidly. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, um, would the, uh, or when can <clears throat> we start using some of those more aggressive strategies like rattling and grunting and stuff like that in October? Is it right after the lull there? Yeah. Right after is better than pre for sure. Yeah. You know, the more I hunt, the less I rattle and, and call. Um, <laughs> but I still, do, but when I do, I have much greater success now than I ever have because I'm just, I'm very particular about when I'll do it. If that buck isn't in the exact right mood, almost dead straight up wind of me, I almost won't call to him. And I, and I seldom if ever call blind. I will do it down on our Texas lease because it's so vast and I can get myself in a good position for my downwind side. 
but in the Midwest, I, I don't call very often. But when I do call, I have great success. So pick your pick your uh, times right to call. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I kind of had a question on the calling thing. You know, we hear a lot about, uh, and I do quite a bit of it, you know, in certain scenarios with rattling and then grunting. But uh, I'm also an elk hunter. And, you know, a big thing for uh, elk hunting is actually scraping. You know, when you're calling bulls, you go over and just wear out this little spruce tree or an aspen with a stick, right? <clears throat> is that sound or that action, uh, would that ever work on whitetails that you've seen where they're attracted to that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I killed the biggest deer of my life because another deer was doing that. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, danger a couple of years ago. There's a buck that I call Dangerous Calling because he was a three-year-old. He came in and he started ripping the world apart on this one sapling. He's just going crazy on it, crazy on it, crazy on it. And I and I knew I was in <clears throat> Danger's bedroom because I'd found a bunch of pictures of him going into this little patch, you know. And I I told Wade, I said, if he's here, he's coming to that. And it wasn't it wasn't a minute, two minutes, and I could see his legs walking through <laughs> this thicket. Oh man, <laughs> that, that's pretty exciting. And then the 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 buck that was doing the uh, making all the racket, he looked up and his nose started dripping, and he turned and he ran, he ran away. Hmm. And I told Wade, I said, "Man, I bet she's coming." And sure enough, there he was. I saw his legs and I saw his antlers, and that was the first time I'd I'd seen him. I'd seen him the previous year, but this year it was the first time I'd seen him. And he walked all the way into four or five steps, and I shot him. Hmm. Mm. Man, that's awesome. Yes, it can work, but you know, you got to be, you know, you got to be wise about doing it. I mean, it, it, you know, it takes a lot of motion, and and I have a tendency to sit real still when I'm deer hunting. I'm stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's a a really good strategy for people to employ is the sitting still side of things. I think that works well. (laughs) Well, it's surprising. It's surprising how many people can't. Yeah, Uh, you know, because I I hunt with a lot of different people. You know, and I'm. I'm constantly saying, oh, sit still, sit still, sit still. I mean, those deer can see about 20 times better than we can, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it's great to be on your phone and all that stuff. But, man, I can't tell you how many times I've been picked because of movement. It's one of the best tips I could give somebody is to just sit still. And and by sitting still, I mean don't move, with mm-hmm. the exception of s- slow movement, head, eyes, that type of stuff. I mean, you'll kill a lot more deer if you're sitting still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that I can uh, – learn from i have a tendency i have a tendency to hang stands really high in the tree so i can get away with stuff and it kind of limits some places where i can can hang so and tyler's (laughs) tyler's hunted with me the last few seasons and uh he sometimes can't believe how much i move in the stand and it's because i feel so comfortable up there but (laughs) as as the season progresses you know you really as the leaves fall you know here we we might have leaves till you know mid-december but uh, you know once those leaves fall you really have to watch that and have to have to you know maintain being still and uh it gets tough sometimes especially when you're not seeing a ton so that's why kind of why we're talking to you so we can see more deer <laughs> <laughs> it does but man i'm telling you it's one of the best pieces of advice you could ever give a uh, a young hunter or a new hunter is just just try to be still because i'm telling you that there's there's deer you're spooking that you don't even know you're spooking and they Mm -hmm. are they are the masters at staying alive Mm -hmm. yeah no kidding so um i kind of had a question that was a little bit more uh cultural and then i was kind of got gonna kind of let tyler take off from there on that but uh 
So why the emphasis on October? Is it strictly about the deer or does it have to do with hunting pressure and people around you and like, uh, you know, impending gun seasons and stuff like that? It, it's both, but it's more about the deer and just how killable they are. And they, they get very killable back in December again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of all the phases, the ones that I like the least are the, the ones that revolve in and around the rut. Uh, they're just so unpredictable. And it goes from it goes from expectation to hope. You know, when I go in on any set in October, I expect to see a certain deer. Or, you know, I think I'm going to see him. When you go in in November, you hope to see something, you know, because you just mm-hmm. don't know where they're at. I mean, they could be two miles from the last picture you had in, in six hours, you uh-huh. know. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's very challenging to target a particular deer. However, the rut also makes... You know, October spots that are bad, very good for some people. You know, so <laughs> uh-huh. it, you know it, it just depends on what dirt you're hunting and, and where you're at, what your perspective is to that. Yeah, sure. Do you think that that's a, uh, uh, you know, Mark Drury as a land manager and a guy who who really puts an emphasis on knowing his deer and, and, you know, knowing the ins and out of them. Do you think that that is kind of uh, the creation of that to where the rut isn't your favorite? At, you know, can we juxtapose that to... Uh, maybe a guy who uh, t- takes four or five years to draw a tag in Iowa and goes and hunts one of the big public places there. Would you say to them that October or December is also the time to be there, or would you say that the rut is actually uh, more preferable for that scenario? Well, all of the above, especially if you waited four or five years to get a tag. <laughs> Just go live in Iowa for three months, right? <laughs> well, literally, yeah, because there's there's certain periods and certain cold fronts that those bucks are going to move. You know, you can see it in your cameras every year. You go back and you go, wow, they all move this day. They all move that day. They all move this day. But there's not enough of those days throughout the season, you know. And mm-hmm. We're lucky because we get to sit there for four straight months, and we see every time that they move, we see it. And we know we know why they move that day, because of the weather or, or whatever. So you can't go there. You know, you can go during, you know, November 5th through the 9th is historically the best in Iowa. However, if it's 15 degrees above normal, just throw it out the window. You mm-hmm. know, they're not going to do it. Um, consequently, the peak of the rut can be very challenging up there, the 10th through the 15th of November. But if you get cold weather, it can be awesome. So if they're so weather related at any time during the season, it's as much about hitting cold fronts as it is hitting a certain time of the year. Mm-hmm. So is that uh, is that because of the cold weather or the barometer? Uh, like, what do you put over one or the other? It's it's a weather related game. They're slaves to their stomach, and when things get cold, they have a tendency to go to food source earlier in the day, mm-hmm. and that's basically the the gist of it. Okay. When they when they feel threatened and they've <laughs> got to live, they'll go feed a little bit earlier than any other day. More often than not, they're going to they're going to feed after dark. Right. Uh, they're going to bed before light uh, mm-hmm. on those cold fronts that expands that time just a little bit. Yeah. So you were kind of hinting at this earlier, but, and I've heard you discuss this before, but can you talk about annual patterns within deer herd? In terms of like what food source? Well, on? no, uh, more like movement patterns and say, um, you know, a deer. So we had a deer show up, like we said earlier on November 7th, um, you know, how, Are you talking about home ranges switching? Well, I'm talking about, can you, you know, can, I've heard you talk about how you can expect a deer uh, to within a couple of days of last year okay, being yeah. a certain area. Talk, really, that's a home range type discussion. So, okay. you know, you're liable to have 
a buck all summer and then losing and then him not show back up till the following year or possibly December uh-huh. because their home ranges switch. But one thing I have seen is they are historically very patternable. And I often look at last year's pictures, not often, but I almost always look at last year's pictures to kill this year's deer. I look at this year's pictures, but only if I'm trying to match up what they were doing the previous year. Because more often than not, when you get a picture, you know, of a daylight walker, you think about it, you're late. You know, you're not there. You you have to be the camera the day that he's daylight. And I have uh, a decent amount of success looking at last year's pictures. And, and going, all right, he was daylight in and around this area, this range, and then go in there and kill that deer. Mm-hmm. So is that is that like a, a three-day window, five-day window, or you know what, what does that look like for a guy who may not have time to sit there for four months? It, you never know. I mean, it might right. be an hour window. It just it, You just never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, every deer's different. I've seen deer that literally didn't leave 80 acres, and I've seen other deer that, that ran three miles a day. You know, yeah. I mean, it's crazy <laughs> how they differ in in their demeanor. And if you look, you could look at a litter of pups and watch them all grow up. They'll all have different personalities. You know, one uh-huh. of a runner and the other one's lazy and lays around, doesn't move, you know. And I think deer are very similar to that. Uh-huh. Some of them are aggressive and uh, they'll break every horn on their body, you know. And then the next one you see doesn't have a scratch on his coat. Every time's perfect. He comes walking in very meekly. He leaves at the sight of any other mature deer. I mean, it's uh, it's amazing how they differ. So you gotta you gotta kind of interpret what their personality is and hunt accordingly. Right. So, being a very popular hunter, being a guy who has killed a lot of big deer uh, publicly, have you seen increased hunting pressure surrounding properties that you manage? And are there any special tactics or tricks <laughs> that you that you would employ? Uh, when dealing like, with nosy neighbors, mid-November is like Disney World around my farm. I can imagine <laughs> you would have to see it to believe it. Everybody talks about, oh, well, if I hunted there, you know, I could do that. Well, come on up and get you some in the middle part of November when, <laughs> when, every, when every buck that pops his head out in cover gets shot from the road. I mean, we'll find seven to ten headless bucks every year. The poaching around our farms is just unbelievable. The just the the road yeah. pressure and and it's it's like nothing you've ever seen. It's so it's, sad. Like we, we hear those slow poppers. You know, you're sitting in your stand and you can hear that gravel popping. You know, they're they're driving five mile an hour. Mm-hmm. It's the last thirty minutes of light, and then pow, oh, you know, you hear it. it. It's it's nonstop. Yeah. So are you? I mean, I guess are you? T- discussing that with game wardens uh i mean do you do they know that that's going on and are they doing anything about it or how, how do you oh, of course. prevent so that they, they tried their hardest you know but you know when a guy's covering two counties how can he you know he can't right. just go walk my farm you know he's got calls that are coming in and it's it's happening all over in iowa man there's yeah. so many big bucks that people come in and they try to kill them yeah you know? are you ever running a, uh trail cameras to try to catch the road hunters like in certain spots we have, yeah, and, and we've had success with it, but it's a challenge to, to do, you know. I mean, because you never know where that deer is going to pop out. You never know where yeah. the guy is going to be, and it's uh, it's tough to do. Yeah, but road poaching and then shed poaching in the spring. Another yeah, epidemic. Oh yeah, it's, cra- it's crazy how many people shed poach. Oh man, that's that's so sad to me. I uh, you know, and another thing that's sad is like <laughs> you mentioned earlier, people saying, "Well, if I had that property." You know, and 
and they don't realize what's gone into that property. And, you know, I know you've been doing this a long time, but do you ever have difficulty dealing with haters or, you know, are there certain slanderous comments that still get to you today or are you past that? Not anymore, unless they pertain to Taylor. I mean, she gets more hate than any of us, and that's what really bothers me. It, it is, it is mind-numbing to me how aggressive men can be to a female hunter. It, mm. it is the damnedest thing I've ever seen, and it, it gets me fired up even thinking about it. But, and it's not just Taylor; it's Kendall; it's all all the female hunters. They get so much hate. And they're, they're in a day goes by. Somebody doesn't tell Taylor they wish she was dead. It's, it's, it is absolutely lunacy. The things that she has directed towards her. I'm a big boy. I can take it. I mean, I don't care by and large anymore. What people say, I honestly don't, unless it's, unless there's legitimacy behind it. You know, if there's a concern, I mean, I'm going to address it, but more often than not, it's hate and it's jealousy. But the stuff they say to her is you just, you couldn't even imagine it. Hmm. Mm, that's mm. sad for sure. I'd... It, it, it's it's beyond sad. It is sick. Yeah, it's sick. Yeah, and it's some of it is hate. Some of it is sexual. Uh, some of it is jealousy. Others are one or dead. I mean, it's <laughs> you'd have to read them to believe it. Yeah. So I mean, as uh, as hunting media, what do we? Is there a way to curb that? In, a, in, in I mean, in the future, I mean, how do we? address that find and how do we talk find about them that? and kill them <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody's a keyboard warrior you right know, you, you know a lot of them are, are are behind aliases you don't even know who they are mm-hmm. you know but if it's somebody we know who they are we we try to turn them in but um it's it's tough to defend you know it's about like that road poaching and it's yeah. it's indefensible so <clears throat> that's why it's happening right so on the other end of the spectrum who would you say is your hunting hero and why? Well, for sure, Terry. Um, you know, I mean, I've watched him my entire life. Um, but I, I would say collectively, if you asked us both that question, we would look outside and, you know, the people that I learned from or that I idolized growing up, Roger Rothar, um, Barry and Gene Winsel. Uh, learned a lot from guys like Dan Perez, David Westmoreland. Uh, they were killing giant deer back when I, when I first started and two of the best deer hunters I know here in the Midwest. I don't know if you know them or not, but, mm-hmm. but I, I read everything that Gene Winsel wrote. I watched every video that the Winsel brothers did. And I, I, I also read every word that Roger Rothar wrote. And, uh, those guys are way ahead of their time. Yeah. Way ahead of their time. So you're a big reader? I was then. I'm not anymore. Okay. Too much uh, trail camera information to study, right? No doubt. Yeah, we, we, have a, we have a lot. So that's your reading, really, in reality. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're looking at the picture and looking at all the, the dates and times and trying to put a pattern to it. Yeah. It's, uh, I have 80 cameras, but this year it'll be right at 90, 92. Wow. 94. And, uh, I'll look at a million and a half to two million pictures a year. Oh my oh gracious. I don't see how there's time in the day for it. <clears throat> it's time in the night. Honestly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we hunt all day, so I'll mm-hmm. lay there. And I can't tell you how many times I've been laying flat on my back and my computer has come back and smacked me straight in the face because I fell asleep looking at a card. Yeah. You know? I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah, it's like that college, <laughs> college study and, you know, cliche clip where you see somebody with fall asleep with a book on their face you know 
Yeah, well, those computers hurt. <laughs> that, that, yeah. Probably not nearly as comfortable as a book hitting you. Um, so what's coming up for Drury Team throughout the end of the year here? Well, I mean, you know, we just launched our new show, Critical Mass. Uh, 13 is in its fifth season. Bo Manis, I think, is in its 10th or 11th season. They're all out there, and we've had uh, one airing thus far. The second airing will be next week. And, you know, then it's uh, – into our annual meeting and then then we kick off the kick off the fall this year i'm going to utah for a a mule deer hunt with my i guess it'd be my soon-to-be son-in-law because taylor's engaged to get married in march of next year but i'm going to go hunting with uh with austin he's a guide out there in utah so awesome awesome i was just there actually in utah we were uh east of the salt lake area i don't know if that's anywhere close to where you're going to be but i'll be just I'll just be north of it a little bit, maybe an hour and a half up at the uh, Wild Country Adventures, a very beautiful place, 250,000 acres, and um, my future son-in-law actually guides there. Cool, cool. Man, that's awesome. I, I, I'll tell you this. I've spent pretty much this entire year up until this point trying to line up an interview with you, and I think it proves that you're a busy man, uh, <laughs> not to mention the fact that you're falling asleep with a computer hitting you in the face every once in a while. <laughs> um, I have to say thank you so much for your time, and I appreciate this. I know also uh, tell Matt thanks, and we'll tell him as well, but, you know, he, he spent a lot of time uh, surfing through our email chain trying to make sure that we can line this up. So thanks for your time, man. We really appreciate it, Mark. Absolutely, man. You ought to interview um, Terry sometime. Sure. His perspective, or Taylor always gives a good interview. You ought to get her on there. Sometime. That would be great. I would. I would actually love to talk to her about uh, what we were talking about earlier with the the hate and, and stuff, and see how she deals with that, and uh, and maybe if she has an answer to, um, you know, how we how we kind of tame that mess here in the future. So. You know, and she actually kind of ignores it. She's seen so much of it. It bothers me more than it bothers her. Mm-hmm. But she always talks about, you know, it bothers her to think that a young hunter that's 11, 10, 11, 12 would read some of that and dis- dissuade that young young lady from hunting. Right. Yeah. Man. And I, and, <laughs> I, and I agree with that. You yeah. Know, it's like, that's sticky right there. That's That's... That's a tough situation to... It, it is a tough situation, and hunters are so... Not all of them, but some of them can be pretty... I don't know how you say it, you know? With some of the hate you see on social media blows my mind. It's very you brash, know? you know? They can be very brash, very petty, very jealous, yep. very selfish. Man, we need to be propping each other up. And I we agree. Need to be we need to be introducing others to the sport. I mean, that that is, our numbers are shrinking, and we've got to get stronger as a community. Yeah, I, man, that's a, that's the greatest plug we could have right there to wrap this thing up. And and I, man, I'm telling you, I, I'm with you on that. And uh, if there's anything we can ever do, I know our platform is much smaller than yours, but uh, we we definitely would would uh, we promote that that same message, and that's what we're hoping to do we need uh we need more hunters out there and i know it kind of goes against the whole you know uh trying to keep my buck a secret kind of thing you know <laughs> but uh and to have you know lots of opportunity and stuff but man it's uh we're not going to have any opportunity if we keep dwindling our numbers and uh, have no influence in this nation anymore so absolutely anyway i appreciate it again and uh i hope to talk to you again soon maybe in the next year or so Yes, sir. You've got my cell number. Just send me a text. Yes, sir. All right. Well, have a good season, and uh, we wish you the best of luck.
Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks, Mark. Take care, guys. All right. Man, I feel a lot better about hunting this October after talking Woo, to him. <laughs> let's go. I know. It gets me pumped up. We really could actually hunt in the morning if you wanted to. Yeah? Yeah. Why? It's it? going to be hot. So, oh. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's uh, We got this thing where we got keyed in on hunting mornings in October. Common knowledge tells you not to, but really it's just all about, you know, kind of what Mark was saying, like, you know, just pay attention to those weather fronts right. and have your most recent information ready to go and you know just kind of make a choice from there right yeah for sure and unfortunately we didn't have really any cameras going in october last year so to speak you know <laughs> mm-hmm. so that kind of ruins like our historical data but we do have some data some most recent data you know that's that's pretty good i feel like that we could use the weather patterns for and you know i mean mark knows what he's talking about like I mean, if you want to see the proof, go down and look at the link in the bottom here, and the dude kills a absolute giant in the month of October, Bucktober, man. So go check that out. Um, and there's also a link to one of our most recent videos. It's a PLC that we did right before hunting season where we saw uh, September. or however you want to say it buck timber sorry buck timber is how it'd be um yeah he was a very big buck that we saw like two days before the season started (laughs) and uh we went in after him the first day and it didn't quite work for us but uh we got some good things working right now yeah so i don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast yet but um we think that buck is the buck that I passed last year. Yeah. yeah. We call him Baby Body. Yeah. We'll, but we'll he's got big talk, old horns on him. We'll definitely talk more about that in uh, in the live podcast, especially if somebody wants to ask the question. <laughs> um, not the live podcast, but the live event that we're doing on Facebook, which is essentially us podcasting with all of our friends on Facebook. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely visit that, I'm sure. Um, it's kind of exciting, you know, like people, is that people, face tober? Is that what <laughs> yeah, it's actually a uh, face tober timber. It's in the timber with tober. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that because, uh, it's just a unique opportunity that we don't normally get the, uh, the opportunity to do very often. Cause I mean, if you're not working late, I'm at a soccer game or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. shuffling kids around. I mean, it's just a, we we have busy lives, man. We don't, you know, we're not doing this full time. I'm hoping so. that uh, trunk or treat at church does not fall on the biggest cold front uh, that we've seen in our lifetimes, like, like last, it did last year. year. Yeah. yeah, that was a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. I had a I had a place that I was keeping an eye on uh, on public that we had a you know not like a big buck really, but like a buck that I would have shot three year old eight point short g3s whatever but um i would have shot him and on that cold front that morning he showed up at ten thirty, like a.m mm-hmm. just middle of the wide open day just looking around you know so i don't know the 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 first cold front i get a chance to hunt i'm gonna be all over it this year so I'm just waiting on it. It happened right before the season, actually. So yeah, for we real. We didn't get a chance. Yeah, but we drove around that day, and there were deer going everywhere they all were. day long. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Um, if you haven't listened to uh, the Big Buck Breakdown that we just did with Eric Barber, 
Um, you probably, if you have, have been listening, you probably remember him from some of the previous podcasts. We've done a big buck breakdown with Eric already from last year. So the dude's a, he's a cold killer. And we actually got a lot of good information out of him. I think it was episode 18, but I can't quite remember if that's it for sure. But uh, we talked about hunting bucks in the big timber. I think it's called Timber Tactics. Um, check that out. Eric's one of my favorite guys that we've got the chance to hang out with. Nice dude. And, uh, I mean, he's just one of those dudes that's young but knows what he's doing, you know. I mean, just always on deer. So uh, we did a big buck breakdown with him uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, go check that out. He, he has a really cool story. Uh, anything else? That's all I know, man. Be ready for uh, the night. Yeah. I'm pumped. Night. Me too, man. Uh, go ahead. If you want to send questions in, go ahead and do it. Or you can just comment the day of. Yeah. Uh, but feel free to send us messages um, on Facebook, Instagram, email, through our website, whatever. Uh, so anyway, man, I hope your guys' seasons are going well. I hope everything is uh, panning out for you. And just remember, this is your element. Living it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.